So I grew up in church. How many of you guys grew up in church? Like, you, or you've been in church for a long time? A lot of people, a lot of people. So, like, you know, um, have you ever struggled with, like, calling? Like, you know, we talk about calling a lot. Like, what am I called to do, you know? Anybody ever struggle with that? Just me? No? Yeah, a lot of people. Hands go high. Who grew up in church? About right here. Who struggled with calling? You go down a little bit lower, you know what I'm saying? Because you don't want to admit, Pastor Frank might see me, and he preached on that a couple, you know. So, no, but um, you struggle with calling. Because you come to these different places and you see these, like, great speakers. Man, you guys have an amazing pastor. This guy can preach the paint off the walls. Like, seriously. Seriously. And it's weird to me because, like, I come to these places and, you know, and whatever, and I, come, and I really do admire the, the pastors and the preachers. And I think we're all like that. It's like people are always like, oh, you got to see your calling. What has God called you to do? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what he's called me to do. Oh, and then people prophesy to you, and we know it ain't always, you know, uh, God has called you to the nations. No, 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 he hasn't. He hasn't called me. He hasn't called me there. God's called you to sing. All right, you, you try stuff. You try to be a good sport. Uh, and they're like, no, God didn't call you. Not yet. Not yet. He had the, he had the wrong number. He had the wrong number. Um, but you struggle. And so, like, we, we see these people. Like, for me, I'm a missionary, right? You knew that, right? So I would go on missions like Mark said. We would go with Hal and Lisa Bean. And I remember um, some of you, Amy went as well. Uh, yeah, Carrie, you went. You guys loved it. They loved, hey, they loved the Dominican Republic. Like, if you ever get a chance, ask them how much. That, I can't believe you guys didn't move there. Did you know that she wanted to move? He didn't know? You got to tell him. Anyways, um, so they, they went to the Dominican Republic, and uh, we were on this trip. And, and Hal Beam is there, and we're doing a conference or a crusade or whatever it's called. And, um, you know, there's cars driving down the street, and they're calling his name out of the speaker and announcing all this stuff. And we get on the stage, and we got to do a drama. I don't do any type of drama anymore. Not stage drama, not life drama. I hate that. But we had to do it at the time. So we're on the stage and we're doing a drama. And man, there are people, like, how many people would you say were there? There were thousands of people. Like, it's, like I'm not exaggerating. There was as far as the eye can see. And we're doing a little drama and I'm doing my little acting, doing, you know, terrible actor. And I don't know why. But we did that and we're doing all our stuff. Then Hal gets up and he preaches. And I remember sitting there thinking that Hal got up like it was no problem, hopped up the steps like, yeah, blah, blah. He had the little preaching arm going, you know, when people are preaching good, they get the arm moving and stuff like that. And he's doing all this and posing for the pictures and preaching at the same time. I say, you know, somebody preaching, they're posing for the picture. They holding it there. I didn't know that. Now I know that. And but you see that and you're like, man, this guy is really good. But then you, you set a bar in your head like, oh, this is the way that it should be. So we fast forward some years, and it should be that way. You should be, you know, whatever. And we fast forward some years, and I go, I step into missions. And I'm a missionary, and we started off for years. We were helping other people. We worked under another ministry. Um, we are helping, we've, we've always helped other ministries and whatever. Recently, we have felt, uh, in the past, what, two, three years, we felt God really pulling us and tugging us to go and do something else. What is something else? I don't know. But in my mind, when I started doing these other things, I was like, okay, well, this is the bar. We have to think like this. We have to be like this. Because, like, you guys know someone that's really talented at something, like, just at everything? Anybody know somebody, like, they pick, just, they pick something up, and they're just good at everything? And they, what do they always tell you? Oh, you just got to practice. You just got to. No, it's not, that's not, it's not just got to practice. How many of y'all have guitars sitting in the corner somewhere covered in dust, all untuned and everything, because you convinced yourself that you were going to play the guitar, Right? So what happens is you buy your guitar, and you, you, you're thinking Michael J. Fox on Back to the Future. Like, he's just shredding, playing all the, you know, Chuck Berry stuff, sliding all over and carrying it. That's what you see yourself in your mind. But then you get it, and it's like, bing, bing, bing. And you try that for like a week, and then you're like, man, this isn't for me. You're just a very normal person. So I think what happens a lot of times is we go home, and we, we go through life like this. We see, how many years have you been in the ministry? What? 
30 years? I was three years old when you started the ministry. Man, give him a hand. That's like, y'all don't know, like this is the weight of, just bearing the weight of his sin and everybody else's all the time. Like it's just, and so like, you've been in the ministry for 30 years. So when I hear that, I, even though I'm talking about this, I feel pressure. Like, man, I gotta preach in front of this guy, man. And then like, you know, I've heard Mark preach. I'm like, he's looking at me, stop looking, look over there, go talk to Amy or something. Because I, I feel like I don't measure up. And I think we all do that. We don't, we, don't, we don't measure up and we don't know what to do. So we get in these positions in life and we're like, man, and we, and we feel like trash. Because you come and you hear all these people, it's beautiful and they're singing and my man know what to say at the right times. And then you get up and you're stumbling over words and you don't know. And then they're playing the guitar in the back and you still got your guitar that you bought 15 years ago and you can't play one chord. And so, it's, you know, it's discouraging, Right. I mean, I'm talking to the real, to the regular people, the normal people, the ordinary people. It's discouraging to be a Christian because, and then we put the weight on you. You got to find your calling, got to find your calling, got to find your calling, got to find your calling. What does God want you to do? What does God want you to do? What does God want you to do? What does God, and, what do, and for years and years and years, we go in circles chasing and chasing and chasing purpose, chasing, oh, but Mark preached like this. And maybe you preach good, but you don't feel like you preach good because you don't preach as good as Mark. Maybe you play the guitar, you all right, but maybe you're not great because you don't play as good as Kevin. So you're always comparing, you're always seeing other people, and you just feel like trash. So you come into church and you sit in the very back, and you're kind of like cowering down because you just don't know what to do. So you just exist in life. That's where I was. I'm a missionary. Because like, uh, yo, but you're a missionary. But what do missionaries do? Somebody tell me. Uh, mission? That's not, that's not a thing. Like what? You know, I got friends that they're veterinarians. My man is a veterinarian, and he came out, and we went on this trip, or they went on this trip to, um, to some villages in the jungle. And it was a cat. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like cats, so it doesn't bother me, this story. I'm sorry. But um, there was a cat, and the cat was sick. And the people were like, well, you know, they brought him the cat. And he's working on the cat, working on the cat. The cat dies. Guy goes into, like, a depression for, like, two days. Like, look, buddy. Like, but he's, he's serious about what he does. He's really good at it. I don't, like, for me, yeah, don't really care, you know. But for him, like, that's what he does, and he takes it so serious, and he's, he's really good at it, that it, it crushed him when he was bad at it. I don't have something. It's funny, Mark said he's a talented and gifted guy when describing me. I'm like, in what? Talented in what? Because tell me everything. That's a lie. You pastor up here lying. Y'all need to ch find another church. Bring look, Pastor Frank, we're going to push him out. and just No, um, no but th this, that's what happens. If people say you're talented, he's not, you know, in his eyes I may be, but you can't tell me what I'm talented at. No one can tell me what I'm good at because I'm not really good at anything. That's the truth. And I was slapped in the face with that reality when I had to figure out, okay, where am I going to take this ministry? Where are we going to go as an organization? You know, my wife and the people that work with us, they're looking at me like, and I'm like, eh, I'm looking back at them. Like, I don't know what to do. And I started praying and like, imagine that, I started praying. And I started praying. I was like, God, I just want you to show me, like, what do we do? What, do, what am I supposed to, because I had the pressure of having this like 10,000 person ministry and all this other stuff. And God took me to the typical missionary verse that all missionaries preach on. And it's Matthew 28, verse 19. We'll go through 20. And it says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I said, okay, God, I already knew that. Like, go and talk, yeah, go, go, whatever. I already went. Like, I live in a different country. In case you didn't notice, I'm tall and black, and all these people are short and Bolivian. I'm bald. Everybody got thick, luscious black hair. Look, like, I got a beard. Everybody else, baby face. God, you didn't see this? You didn't know that this was, I already went? Like, come on. Like, I, I, I don't know what else, where else you want me to go. 
right? And that's what we do. Missionaries, we come in and we do that. We, we pull this verse out. Oh, you need to go. You need to have a heart for the nations. You need to have a heart for this and a heart for that. But man, it's not realistic. How many of y'all can just quit your job and just go? You can't. So then you leave even feeling worse. Like, oh, he said I need to go, but I can't go anywhere. We, and, we, and we focus so much on that go part. We have go, go ministries, go international, go church, go over here, go over there, all this go, go, go. And, but we, we, we can't. I got a job, five kids, I got debt, whatever, I can't go. So it makes you feel like you are less than because you can't do what they do. Right? But God started to speak to me a little bit. And he was like, man, this for, he, God talked to me in my own voice. And maybe it's not God. I don't know. It's like, uh, <laughs> man, you focus on the go, but you need to focus on the make. See, and I started realizing, I started doing research, that go is not the key part of this verse. We just like action. And that's okay, but we got we to gotta, we gotta taper ourselves down a little bit. It's not about go, it's about make. Because the thing about go is you go. You go to your friend's house, you go to work, you go to school, you go to the grocery store, you go all over the place. And it seems like now we're bored because it seems like, I, this is just a theory, American Christians specifically, myself included, it seems like we're bored because it, uh, apparently when we can't go, we don't know what to do. So what do we do? We log into Facebook and start arguing with people, starting fights, arguing over stuff that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God, nothing to do with it. And it's okay to have your opinions and, you know, it's, you, should, you should have that. But we become overly involved in anything that's immediately accessible to us. So in the moment, it's, it's politics. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that's not your, that, that, there's, no, there's no American flag in heaven. There's no Bolivian flag. There's none of, we don't, we don't fall, we, we fall under one nation, one nation under God, and it's not this one. I'm sorry. I love being in the United States. Man, y'all got the best hamburgers and pizza and all this and people, and everybody speaks English and everything, but this is not the nation that we fall under. We all belong to the kingdom of God, and we have to operate physically and walk around and do stuff here. We need to vote. We need to be involved in whatever, but that is not the end for us. We are committed to and we are, we, we are um, look forward to eternity. We have to walk and understand that. But I think, I think what happens is we, we can't go, so we just sit and we stay and we don't know what that means. But we're called to make. And so what does making look like? Well, but I can't go into the full-time ministry. I just can't do it. It's the same as going. I can't quit my job. Uh, and people say that all the time. I would love to be on a permanent vacation like you. Bruh. I live in the slums, my man. Y'all saw the video. That's my neighborhood, man. That's not like I didn't go out to some like, oh, let's go out here. This would be a good video. That's my, those are my, going up that street, those are my next door neighbors. Those horses that were in that field, that's out of my front door. The alligator wasn't in my house, but everything else was. That, yeah, might be the line. No, I'm kidding. But that's the thing. It's like we make it like, oh, you know, we always look for an excuse of why we can't do something. Because when we get trapped and it has nothing to do with us, then we look for a reason why we can't do it. Because it really doesn't benefit us. But that's another problem. Is everything that we do has become focused on us, me receiving, me getting, me whatever. And so we don't do it if it doesn't benefit us. And it's even in missions. Like I say, like a lot of us don't support missions. You don't got to support me. Support somebody though. You do it as a church, but support somebody personally. Not me, but get involved with somebody else. But we don't do it because I can't see. It's not fruit. Because you can see fruit, the fruit is spiritual, but we want to see physical fruit from it. And when you don't see physical fruit from it, you don't receive something, you want nothing to do with it. And that's why we love politics so much, because we feel like somebody. I can, tear my, I can tear my brother in Christ down. Oh, he's an idiot. 
idiot. Losing friendship, losing 20-year friendships over somebody that doesn't even care about you. They're just telling you what you want to hear so that you'll get on and be a representative of them. That's what Hitler did in World War II. I'm just saying. Just saying. So we get caught up. So what do we do? We get caught up in all this and that and whatever. And he's telling me now that it's not this. So what is it? Like, this is the thing is we're all called to greatness. Amen. I mean, but it's not greatness in the way that we think it is. Because it's greatness in terms of obedience, but it's not greatness in terms of man. So your ministry, let me tell you, like me, you saw, my ministry is, I would love to have a 10,000 whatever ministry, but my ministry is very simple, very one-on-one. It's, very, it's just very us engaging people in our community, uh, bringing people uh, out of their nasty situations and really teaching them about Jesus, trying to encourage them and have a gospel impact in every area of their life. So that goes for work, that goes for family, that goes for all this other stuff. That's what we do. But it took God really waking me up and say, I've called you to make. I said, God, how do I make? I don't have any gifts. God said, I give you a personality. I said, no, 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 God, you gave everybody a personality. I'm not following. The chip reader, yeah, got me. But, they, but everybody has a personality. God said, no, I specifically gave you a personality to engage people simply and bring them into me. I said, but God, that's not sexy ministry. Doesn't look good on Facebook. Doesn't sound good in newsletters. But this is the weight that we all carry. See, and I can say I'm a missionary and this is what it makes me. No, we all feel this weight. Like, what we're doing is insufficient. Right, right. So if I work at McDonald's, Don work at the plant, so he's working, making hot wings and carrying on. Anyway. Then I feel less than Don. I look at Don's car, and I drive a, you know, a 1971 Chevette, smoking all out, like, coming to church high. They're like, oh, brother, you need deliverance. Nah, I need a new car, man. <laughs> Exhaust all in the, in the joint. You know, coughing all over the place emphysema and on people, you know. And so you feel less than because you don't have what he has. So what we start to tell ourselves is that, okay, in order to be effective, I need to have a better position, right? right? Because we look at, we preach about David. Oh, David was a shepherd, but God promoted him to king. David was out there killing lions and bears and everything. And just like God promoted David, he's going to promote you. Yay, everybody gets happy, but it's not true. David had all these brothers. What happened to them? See, I feel like one of David's brothers, like brothers, brothers, brothers. I feel like one of David's brothers. Like I I see, I got friends that I feel like that they've been promoted to king and whatever, and it's great, and I'm happy for them, but I'm like, hey, what about me? Because if David gets promoted, then I'm not going to get promoted to that position. But again, it goes back to us pursuing things that are for us. And we have to understand that we were created for his glory. We're everywhere. It's cool because y'all have these shirts that are that what I am revival is what they say, right? I am revival, and that's so true. We've been praying for revival, we falling on the floor and carrying, praying for revival and all this other stuff for how many years? But you got to realize that you are revival. You are revival. I know y'all been hearing this for weeks. So you're like, yeah, we know. We got the t-shirt on right now, bro. You know. But what you have to understand is whether you are homeless, whether you work at Mickey D's, whether you work at the plant, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a missionary, whether you're a pastor or anything, you all have the same calling. And it's to make disciples. Oh, but but my my boss will fire me. if I. No, 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 no. We're not talking about this. You don't have to formalize everything. What did Jesus say? He said, follow me. He didn't say meet me at the tabernacle at five till six and we're going to go over these scriptures. That's not what he said. Basically, what he said, hey, let's be friends, man. We're going to hang out. 
right? See, I know people have come and they've prophesied to some of you that you're going to be a world changer. And man, we lie so much. Like, I'm just being honest. We lie so much. We lie so much, it's ridiculous. You're going to be a world changer. You can go out to the nations and whatever. People always come and talk to me like, hey, how can I be a missionary? I want, I'm a world changer. It was prophesied over me. I said, they lied to you, my man. They're like, what? Because if you can't be a marmet changer, then you can't be a world changer. If you can't be a Charleston, you, see, if you're just complaining about people on the west side, they're shooting again. They're shooting again. Uh, Darla, they're shooting again over there. Those people over there are shooting again. If, you have so, if you're so passionate about people getting shot and tore down and people doing meth, get involved. Because if this is the living word, like you always talk about in your Facebook post, you got the selfie and you got the Bible verse that has nothing to do with you, but for some reason you are the center of it, right? Jesus at the center, then why are you at the center? Right? Then get involved. But it's dangerous. And what happens to you when you die? What happens to you when you die? So you, what you're essentially saying to me is that your life now is your best life and it's better than heaven. I'm not saying we need to go out like, shoot me, please, take me, take me to the king. That's ridiculous. You can be wise, but at the same time, we are so bored that we don't, we don't know. And there's a separation between us and there's them. And they are living life and, and the world is dying. Y'all got neighbors that are dying of heroin overdose. We got cousins and brothers are dying of all these drug overdoses. We have people shooting each other, killing each other. And what are we doing? Commenting on the threads. Hateful stuff. Hateful stuff. Well, got what he deserved. <laughs> if we all fought for our rights, we'd all be in hell tonight. You know that, right? Right? So the God of grace that saved you by grace is also the same God that has empowered you to make disciples of all nations. See, the thing about we say all nations, we always think outside. The United States is a nation. Marmette, Kanawha County, Charleston, they're a people. So you have to understand it. Whether you work at Mickey D's, whether you're a janitor somewhere, it doesn't matter. Uh, Y'all you believe that God is in control Amen. at all times? So if you believe that God is in control, then you have to understand that you are right where you are for a reason. No, but I'm a four-time felon, my man. No. But God can use your mistakes and your nastiness of your life, and he's still in control. Nothing escapes from God's hand. He didn't make you commit those felonies. I know some of y'all try to say that. Like, he made me. No, no, no. He didn't make you do that, but he can also use that for his glory. So what if, what if us as Christians started looking at our situations as instead of always thinking about some phantom future that we possibly would never reach, we start looking at our current situation. I'm called to be here today. Now, I'm not saying you can't make plans and, you know, to move on and whatever. Uh, I don't live in West Virginia anymore, but I remember being a teenager. Um, it, it was all about just getting out of here. Just, we just want to leave. There's nothing here. This place is trash and whatever. And really, we were repeating after our parents and the, our grandparents and the elders at church and all the lead. Everybody else would just say that all the time. Do you believe in speaking life? Do you believe in being life? Because you, you're, you, you can leave. Mark has left, right? You left for some years. I left. I, I'm still not here. and I'm not called back quite yet. To being honest, but um, but at the same time, in the meantime, while you're here, you can make those plans. In the meantime, you are still here. Right. See, you don't see a tree, and the tree grows and all this, and and it's like in the, in the tree, and you come by and the tree says, "I'm stuck." Like ah, I can't move. Trees are planted, right. 
So when trees are planted, they start to develop fruit. So I know you live in a trashy apartment complex. I know you don't live in the neighborhood of your dreams, but it has nothing to do with what you want. I'm sorry. It has everything to do with stewarding your current position and using that for the glory of God. So if you live in a trashy apartment complex and your neighbors are annoying, you should stop thinking about trying to get out. You can plan to get out, but stop thinking about, oh, when I get out of here, everything's going to be better. No, see yourself as planted. You are planted right where you are today for the God's purpose. And this is, it may just be for a season. It may be forever. I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to tell you that just like David, just like David, God's going to bring you up. But the thing about David and Elisha and all this, Elisha was working in the field. Elisha was not proclaiming. He didn't have a vision board and all this stuff behind him. Like, oh, one day I'm going to have this plane, and, but I got to do this donkey. And I'm doing the vision board. No, he was working. Gideon was working, the lowest man of the lowest tribe, and he wasn't even doing a good job. Gideon was working when he was called. He wasn't proclaiming and saying, I'm believing for this over here and whatever. There's nothing wrong with dreaming, but we've made our dreams, we try to make it God's dreams, and that's not true. God doesn't care about your dream. I, I know, uh, I'm supposed to, see, I'm supposed to come and tell this nice message so y'all can feel cute, and you give me all the money, and yeah, everybody's happy. Give me your money. Yay. Right? But I retired from that. I'm not, the type, I'm not that type of missionary anymore. I just tell people the truth, and everything else comes from that. Come on now. You're the only one, bro. <laughs> but, like, man, I, like, y'all so, like, I do. I live in the slums, and I didn't even notice it until a month in. I was like, hey, you know, one day I, I was riding my motorcycle. I started looking around. I said, I went back and told Melinda, I said, we, we live in a poor neighborhood. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you didn't notice that by the dirt floors and kids, naked kids running around and carrying, you know? And I didn't. But it, I think there was a time in my life where I would have moved there, and I would have been like, ugh, oh, what is that? What kind of bug? Is that bug? Does he live here? Do I live here? Is he paying rent, or do we split? Or because he's big enough, do I have to feed him? You know, like, I don't know. Do you, this bug's big enough, you got to kill it with a machete. Because if you, if you try to stomp it, it's like, like that girl, that little video, she'd be stepping over the... Like, stop it. And they don't die. But there was a time when I looked at that like, ah, that's not, that's not what I want to do. Because we have these little sayings and stuff, and we somehow put them into Christianity, and they don't belong, and they're really secular humanism. Like, things like, um, uh, if your dreams don't make people laugh, then they're not big enough. Or, that's okay, you can have big dreams, but what, what does it say in the Bible? That you're supposed to have dreams, and it has to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Because it's all about me being great, me trying to compare to Mark. Mark preaches good. Oh, Pastor Frank, 30 years in the ministry. Whoa, how can I speed this up? How can I get better? How can I get to that point? But it's not about that. God has not called you to greatness. He's called you to obedience. We got any parents in here? Parents? You got kids? Hey, Ryan, proud. Put your hand up higher, my man. Yeah. Look. Yeah. So if you told your kid to clean his room... And you're like, go clean your room, you know. And, you know, it doesn't always go according to plan. But you tell your kid to clean his room, and you leave, and you come back, and he's cleaned out the garage, and he's sweeped the floor downstairs. He's cleaned all the dishes. Oh, good job, my man. Good job. That's good. Yeah. And you go up into his room, and it's still dirty. It's great that he's done all those things, but he's still in his disobedience. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build buildings over here, trying to do all this over here, and trying to get, you know, uh, whatever it is. Oh, I got to get my dream house. I got to get my dream car, striving, calling it, claiming it in. People still do that. They used to claim it in. Like, you come back empty-handed in the mug. Like, you was already, like, what? 
trying to anything, walking around stuff seven times, work for Gideon, it's going to work for me, I proclaim it. We worried about all that, and God said, go and make disciples. You ain't even discipling your kids. We're doing all that. All this me, I want this, right? Oh, we don't do that. Is it me? I'm sorry, man. All right, what's up? But this, this is, imagine, West Virginia is in a terrible state right now. Let's just call it is what it is. It's in, it's, it's in terrible, it's not, it's not good right now. Charleston is not good right now. But imagine if every person just here, not all the churches, every person just here made a commitment to be planted where they are. Not saying you will never leave. So like, I'm not committing, bro. I'm going to go to North Carolina. I want to go to Florida, L.A., California dreaming. I'm not saying that, but what if you committed to being right where you are at this moment and understanding that God is big enough, God is strong enough, God is powerful enough to use your Mickey D's flipping self to reach everybody in your town? What if you understood, what if you saw it like that? What if you stopped thinking about you just for two seconds? What if you started thinking about your neighbor that plays the loud music, gets on your nerves, because they do, like, come on, we... Act like you're supposed to get over. Jesus loves you, and I'm happy. Can't sleep at night. You know what I mean? I can't witness the people when I'm grumpy, so I need them to turn that music down. You know? It's the truth. But what if we understood that we were planted right where we are for his purpose, for his glory? What if we understood that we don't store up our treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal? What if we understood that we were here for his glory and we thought eternal-minded? You can have a nice house. I'm not saying that, but your nice house is not the goal. You can have a nice car. Man, roll around. Drop the top. Do what you got to do. But you got to understand that this is not the goal. That's right. Amen? Because amen. y'all were saying amen earlier, but now I'm talking about your stuff. Then I'm going to say amen. He's like, I'm not giving him an offering. I don't care. Keep your money. <laughs> Charleston would look different. You are revival. Yeah. Amen. And the revival is not something that you pray for. It's something that you do. It's not something, some phantom belief of 1942. They're all dead. All of them. Every, they're all dead. Would you want that? No. Let God do what God does and let him do it through you. No matter where you are right now, be faithful. And wherever, and man, and you, oh my job, but you don't understand. Family Dollar doesn't treat their employees well. It doesn't matter how they treat their employees. Let their employees treat them well. You need to be, show up on time. Live like you're living for Jesus. Y'all walking in. That's the thing is every time we go, I go into like a store or whatever. Like yesterday we were in, I don't remember where we were. And the people were, um, one of the guys said, uh, he said, uh, you off? Talking to the lady. She said, yeah, oh, you lucky. That's just tacky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, like, we don't even do that in Bolivia. Like, this is third world, third world behavior going on in here. This is Canal City, you know? But what if you, you don't have to, I, I know it's hard. But what if you saw this as like, man, God put me here. This is my go. My goal may not be to Bolivia, my goal may not be to Kenya, but this is my goal is to family dollar, and my make is to connect and love with these people that are hurting and that are just bruised and broken, being abused. Man, y'all got neighbors that are struggling, y'all got family members that are struggling, and y'all sitting over there talking on Facebook about Trump and Obama and this and that and the other. Come on. What are we doing? In my neighborhood... We want, to, we want to change Bolivia, right? But we also understand that we can't change Bolivia if I can't change my neighborhood. And so right now we focus on our neighborhood. And it is really, um, it really is unreached. Like they've heard about Jesus, but they don't really, you know, they don't really know much about who he is, you know, or whatever. Like we, we do a basketball program because we got there and I said, you know, 
how are we going to reach people? Because I don't want to just go knocking on doors because Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, they do the same thing. I got to get in line. Like, and, behind the, and by the time I get there, they're like, oh, they don't want to hear anything. So we said, let's start a basketball program. I said, man, we'll have about three to five people. I can focus on these dudes, disciple them, whatever. We started a basketball program. The first time, there was one guy. Great, I'm happy. Second time, there was three guys. Yeah, third time, there was 15 people. I said, wait, this math, one, three, 15, what kind of counting is that? But it exploded. I had to cut it off. And it didn't explode because I'm a great basketball teacher. It exploded because God recognized the obedience in my heart. I was like, oh, I can entrust these people to him. And I don't even got, like, I'm going to be straight up with you. Like, I don't have to do it. Like, one kid came to me. I'm thinking, like, all right, at what point am I going to start, like, teaching and inviting them to church? One kid came to me. He was like, hey, can you explain to me what the gospel is? Because uh, I don't think I've ever heard it. I said, oh, well, uh, glad you asked. Uh, stop the balls, everybody. Uh, this is who. And they, and they all listened. And then the next Sunday, they're all at church. They're, they all attend our church regularly now. I'm sitting here sweating and trying to figure out how am I going to, you know, invite them to church without being too offensive. And I don't want to encroach on their personal space. You know, we use big words when we don't want to do something. You know, how am I going to do this and whatever? And they showed up at church, walked in. I play the cajon at our church. Uh, I don't really play. I just got rhythm. So everybody thinks I play. But anyways, so I'm up front and they all walk in and looking at me like, what? I was like, what in the world? Like, God, you're so good. You're faithful. And I do talk to them about Jesus. I'm not saying we just, I just give them hugs and they all come. No, it's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying I engage these people for the God. I do what I can. I let God do what he does. I'm so ordinary. And again, I know I'm supposed to come and paint this picture like, whew, Bolivia, guys, we need money. We need your money. You got to support us and whatever. And I want you to. But at the same time, I'm just such an ordinary person over there doing the same thing that you can be doing in Marmette. Same thing you can be doing in Charleston, on the west side, Huntington, whatever. Doing the exact same thing. We have some people that, in our neighborhood, I'm going to tell you some stories. And I bet at least half of them, you would think of somebody that you know just like this. So we have Ephraim. Ephraim's about two years old. Their parents live across the street from us. He's done some work for us. We, tried, we were trying to engage him for the gospel um, across the street from them because we live at a four-way Across the street from them, there lives a couple, uh, Mariela. Mariela and her husband, uh, Iber, and then they have a son, and she's pregnant. She's five months pregnant as well. Uh, Ephraim is two. Uh, his cousin Gloria lives with them. Gloria is, is about nine years old. Gloria's full-time job is to take care of Ephraim. If my girls invite Gloria to the house to play, Ephraim got to come. He's biting people and falling on the floor. Like, bro, come on, man, like a little T-Rex. So now, if Gloria come over to play with kids, I got to babysit. And by babysit, I mean roughhouse, this little boy that's not even mine. But it's not fair to Gloria to do that. But what happened with Gloria is her parents didn't want her. Her dad doesn't want her because he's not a boy. He wanted a boy. How childish, man. I wanted boys too, bro. Y'all seen the pictures? It's, it's all pink and purple in my house. But that's what he wanted. So Gloria's unwanted. So now she lives with her aunt, uncle, and they don't really want her either, but it's an opportunity to, for her to take care of her kid. So Gloria's out here struggling, walking everywhere she walks with the little boy, changing his pants. He's naked sometimes, so he ain't got to change nothing. Like, naked, naked. Not like he, on, he has underwear on, like nothing. Just walking in the street, proud as all get out. But he, that's, what, that's Gloria's reality. She's not wanted. Then there's her, her aunt and uncle who live there. He's a drunk. The next door neighbors, Mariela and Iber, that I was telling you about, they moved from a different city and came to our neighborhood. Mariela has a store, and that's where everybody in the community buys, all, or in our neighborhood, buys all their stuff. You buy everything, meat and everything else. Uh, Mariela is about 30 years old. Like I said, she's five months pregnant. 
She looked like about me, boy. After I came to the, y'all getting all that pizza and stuff, I'm about, I'm about four months, you know. But uh, no, Mariel is five months pregnant. Uh, one night, her next door neighbors, all these people, they were out. Um, they're partying. They party all the time. And it was about four in the morning. It's loud. You know, Mariela, I guess she's had enough. Decides she goes over. This is Sunday, last Sunday. She goes over. I wasn't, I'm here. I'm speaking at a church or whatever. As soon as I get there, it went great. As soon as I get down, I get this text message from my wife just reminding me of the reality that we live in. And I, I go over. I check my text message. And it's Melinda. She's telling me that Mariela was, uh, Mariela was beat up by her neighbors. Mariela went out and asked them to lower the music. They came out. They didn't like it. They were drunk. They started beating her up. The, uh, Ephraim, uh, his, his mom, comes out, grabs Mariela, slams on the ground. The other ladies begin to kick her. Just kicking her. You know, first of all, you don't put your feet on nobody. You learn that when you're like one. But second of all, pregnant women? And it gets worse. Mariela's husband, they go to our church. Mariela and Eva go to our church. He comes out, and they've had ongoing issues with these neighbors. And they've called the police and, you know, third world cops. They don't, you know, won't do nothing. So they've called the police. And he is a police officer, actually, but I don't know why. Anyways, so he calls the police. or They call the police. They call the police. They don't do anything. So he comes out, sees his wife getting kicked on the ground. He pulls out his cell phone and begins to record. He says, I needed the evidence so that the police would do something. Bro, you got a baby. Bro, that's your baby. That's your wife. So then something needs to happen. You need to understand that God put you, God put you in her life to protect her. And you're taking videos, man. But this is, that, 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 that's a gospel issue. You know what I'm saying? It's understanding what, what does biblical manhood look like. See, y'all may not know somebody that would record his wife, but y'all know some losers. Y'all know some dudes that ain't worth nothing as a husband or a boyfriend or whatever. But you have to see that as this is a gospel, it's the gospel need. Then there's Leo. Leo lives down the street, comes to my house every single day. He's nine, and I, apparently I'm his best friend. Uh, not too happy about that. I'm not going to lie to you. I like him, but we're not, I mean, he's nine. We can't, we can't be friends, you know. And he comes, and he knocks on the door every single day. And after a while, I was like, Leo, you know, tell me about you. And I went. I want to meet his mom. He always talks about his mom. And this older lady came out, and she came out in the towel. And I said, oh, well, let me. Uh, she said, I'm Daisy. I'm his grandma. I'm not his mom. And she starts telling me, you know, his mom, she abandoned him when he was born. His dad went to work a year and a half ago. Daisy's single. Leo's just, lo- he's just looking for somebody. He just wants somebody. Now I can say, oh, that Daisy letting Leo come over here again. Because y'all got kids in y'all's neighborhood like that. And you complain about that. We can complain about the parents, really, because something needs to happen. But at the same time, this is an opportunity. We can see it as Daisy being ridiculous, or we can see it as God is entrusting Leo into us to be able to speak life into him, to be able to raise him and preach the gospel to him, to be able to transform his life. There's some kids that live on the corner. Their dad is, he's, oh, no, their dad is sick. Their mom is lazy. Their hair, Bolivians are, you know, they're, they're um, fair-skinned. Is that what you say, fair-skinned, like darker? Anyways, I don't know. They're like lighter than me, but not like as light as you. Like, yeah, somewhere in between there. They got black hair. Everybody. Everybody has black hair. It's funny because I try to explain people, and I'm like, oh, the one with black hair. And they're like, uh, there's nine million of us, man. I'm like, oh, yeah. But these kids on the corner, they have brown hair. It's like uh, uh, dirty blonde hair. I said, huh, that's, uh, you know. And my wife told me, she's, that's, from, that's, that's what happens when you're malnourished as a child, is your hair turns blonde. And I started asking the kid because the little boy comes out, and he's old. He's about 11 or whatever. And uh, he comes out, and I was asking him, I said, man, what do, you, how do y'all, you know, what do y'all been eating? He's like, oh, bread. 
I said, oh, you, that's what you ate just now? He said, no, that's what we always eat, bread. And he's working. My man, I don't know where he got his work ethic from because his, his parents don't have it. He's carrying water, like, you know, on all this stuff. He doesn't know what to, but he doesn't know what to do. His parents are drunks too. The, everybody, everybody in his surroundings are drunks, irresponsible people. And oh, Bolivia, oh, but you guys have neighbors like that too. Like I said, I know, I know I'm supposed to come and present like what I'm doing is a little bit more special so that you can just want to give me money. But you can do the exact same thing that I'm doing there here. It's not you can. No, no, no. You have to do the exact same thing that I'm doing here. Ain't no revival without you doing something. Amen. You can't have revival absent from love. And you can't have love absent from obedience. Obedience is the currency of heaven. Do you want to invest your stocks and whatever in heaven? You need to be obedient. You are washing the garage. And he said, clean your room. Can you stand up? Can you stand up with me, please? Please? I just want to pray with you guys. Because it, it, this is something challenging. Like, you know, I'm not like, oh, yeah, let's go make disciples. But it's very easy to engage people, talk to people. What is your name? Hey, you want to come over for dinner? Do y'all have something to eat? You know, and these are your neighbors. I'm not talking about everybody. Just pick, just pick two people. Say, I'm going to love and get to know these people. They live next door. They live next door for 10 years, and I don't even know his name. That's ridiculous, man. It's like, seriously. But we have to snap out of it. We have to snap out of it. We are watching. We are watching the world die around us. We are watching. Because it's terrible what Eber did to, with his wife. She's getting beat, but we're doing the same thing. People are dying spiritual deaths in the world all around us, and we're essentially grabbing our cell phones and Facebook-living it instead of engaging and helping. Love your neighbor. That's how you make disciples. People always, well, but how do you make? It's hard, and this, and that. You love your neighbor. Just start there, and the Holy Spirit will lead you through the rest because it's not always the same. We always commission missionaries and all this other stuff. We commission pastors and whatever, but we don't commission people you know, they work at Mickey D's. We don't commission students, but it's every, everybody's going to every work. You're going somewhere. Even if you don't got a job, you're still going to go somewhere. Amen. You see homeless people and they walk in like, I don't, like, I don't know where you're going, but they're going somewhere. But we, we make this like, it's the structure that is me, Mark, Pastor Frank, we're up here. Don, you know, we're up here. We're the ministers and preachers. Commission us. Yeah. And we, I get it. But we need to start commissioning them. I commission you. Well, you got a new job? Where are you working? Oh, Burger King. Oh, no. Bring, let's pray for I commission you in the name of Jesus that you will be a light in that darkness that's Burger King. When people come through the drive-thru, that you will be able to love them. And when they're mad about you ain't get an extra fry or you're not enough ketchup, that you will be able to respond in love to them. And Come on, man. This is real life. This is what, this is what Jesus' discipleship looked like. It might not be what Kenneth Hagin or whatever your Bible, your, your Christian superhero looks like. But that's not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Because if we're revival, this is what it looks like. Right? So I'm going to pray with you. I want to commission you for what it's worth for me. <laughs> is that okay? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Living Faith Church. I thank you for every person that's here, that they're here for a purpose and a reason, that it's not on accident that they're here. I thank you that you, um, you, you designed it that way, that you have called every person here to be a part of your body, to be a part of your ministry, and to really love them and use them supernaturally. 
even though everybody feels ordinary, God, you put the extra on our ordinary and you make us do great things in common places. So God, I I commission every single person here, whether they work at the bank, the gas station, whether they're stay-at-home moms, whether they want to be stay-at-home moms, cousins, uncles, brothers, and everybody to really engage their surroundings for you, for your glory. So that not just Living Faith Church, but your church as a whole will reflect your greatness and your love. I pray that Living Faith will be a catalyst for change in the West Virginia area. And not just the miraculous, but I just pray that you inspire some people here after, just through your word that this is me. I can do something. God, I just pray that you grab the hearts of us today. And make us focus on what's right and what's, what's, make us focus on what's to be focused on. The important things. An eternal mentality. And I thank you, God, for just inviting us into your family, just really by your grace and mercy only. We don't deserve to be in here. We don't deserve to be able to call ourselves Christians and followers of you. But God, you died for us anyway. And I pray that we never, ever forget that. I pray that we can share that with every other person in our surroundings, in our life, that we can just be contagious and really, really grab a hold of them and so that your Holy Spirit can go, go into them and really just change who they are so that they also can start to affect their surroundings. And I thank you and I praise you for that, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.